And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to a New York Catholic Conversation. My name is Deacon John Catalano, and I am joined by my good friend, my pal from St. Agnes in Rockville Center, Frank Alasia. Frank, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Deacon. How's everything? Everything is good. Now, you and I are practicing Catholics, and we, we love the church for many reasons. And yet many people we know and love either dislike or distrust or don't understand or openly hate the church, and they question it. And we find ourselves defending the church that we love. So start us off, Frank. Why do we defend the church? Well, first, I'd like to say that Catholicism is our religion. The church is the custodian of that belief system that Christ gave us. And remember, the church exists to save souls, not to make people feel good about themselves. That's why it's vital to defend the church that preserves it. And when you think about Paul, when, when he was knocked off the horse, you know, Jesus said, why do you persecute me? When he meant that, he meant, why are you persecuting my church? Right. Now, we believe that uh, that we need the church and that Christ established it on earth. Uh, but church teachings seem so out of touch sometimes with today's culture and times. What? Maybe the church needs to be more adaptable? Well, it's an error to believe that Christ did not teach a, a determined body of doctrine appl applicable to all times and all men. Right. I mean, he, did, he didn't simply mm -hmm. inaugurate like a religious movement to different times and different places. The truth is the same at all times and in all places. It, it doesn't change with time. You know, I'm a Catholic because of the, the 2000 years of saints, martyrs, sacred tradition and sacred scripture. You know, the true friends of faithful Catholics are neither revolutionaries or innovators. They're traditionalists. And St. Paul tells us, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions you were taught, either by word of mouth or by letter. I heard a great quote, and it said, the Catholic Church is not like a cruise ship, but a freighter. She has no room for vacationers, only crew. And it's a case of all hands on deck. And I think that's a great quote. Yeah, and there is a big difference between saying that you're a Catholic and then living like one. Right. Uh, but what about people who say, well, I don't practice because there are too many hypocrites and bad people in the church. What can we say to them? Right. I think it's a little short-sighted um, having that attitude. Um, you know, those who don't practice their faith because of the faults of others. You know, who does one hurt by neglecting, you know, your religious duties? not the people whose conduct we complain about. We, they only hurt themselves. You know, their sins are not remedied by our not practicing our faith. I mean, you don't scrap the entire institution because of imperfect ma members. I mean, take the institution of marriage. It's a bedrock of society. But would we do away with marriage because so many marriages are imperfect? I think the number I read, it said that like 20% of men are unfaithful. But that doesn't cause the other 80% to walk away from their vow to be faithful. The same thing with religious. You know, 2% two, 2 of bad religious shouldn't affect, you know, your worshiping God. The Catholic teachings are solid and demanding. And think about it. No matter what the fashions 
of moral corruption have prevailed. The church has never pandered to human passions in her teaching, but she's always stood and often alone in the midst of a corrupt world for the highest and purest morality. The fact that some of our children, even occupying those in the highest offices, have proved false to this is no more an argument against her essential sanctity than the wickedness of Judas the Apostle is an argument against the sanctity of Christ himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned Paul. He said, what can separate us from the love of God? Could the sinfulness or faithlessness of any person, bishop, priest, or anybody, cause your own faith to waver? or to interfere with your own love of Christ. Not if you're vigilant in prayer and mindful of your own relationship with Jesus. So we always have to ask ourselves, who do I say that Christ is? Now, I I don't hear too much more about this as a deacon, but you say that people still say, well, the church is always asking for money. So what do you say to that? Well, you know, not as many people naturally are going to church as when we were kids growing up. And I think, you know, a lot of them use the excuse of all the corruption Mm -hmm. in church. I'm not giving money to that corrupt church. But, you know, when you think about who do you think they ask for? They're not asking it for themselves. They're asking it for the poor, for the schools, you know, for the for the school's children, you know, for the acts of charity, for the heat, for the electricity that keeps the churches running. You know, do you know that the church is the largest non-governmental healthcare system in the world? The church is involved in over half the social work in the country. You know, think of soup kitchens, clothing drives, you know, care for unwed mothers. And then I would ask anybody, who do you think gives up more? A priest who gives up, you know, his earthly life. I mean, he leaves his family to go and and and, and to help us get, get to heaven. I mean, or, or us, you know, I think, you know, the religious really give up so much in this world to help guide us to heaven. Well, it's true. The mission of every parish must be uh, helping the poor. It has to include that. And that involves people's time and money. So right. we have to be good stewards of the money that people donate to the church. There's no doubt about that. And then finally, another one is that non-Catholics will say to us, so much of what we believe seems made up. I mean, the mass and the sacraments don't strike critics as Bible-based, or they'll say, where is that in the Bible? Do we have to quote them chapter and verse? Yeah, I think that when, when somebody says, where is that in the Bible, I think the premise of the question um, is wrong. You know, where did Jesus ever say, read this book and you will know me? And the, the answer is nowhere. What he did leave us was <laughs> a, a head, the Pope, a teaching office, and a magisterium. By the teaching authority of the church, the Bible is guarded and guided. Interpretation can't be left to individuals, but to those who've been given the authority by Jesus, you know, while he was present on earth. Think about this. If a priest, after completing his ordinary studies, right, wishes to become a doctor, say, philosophy, canon law, theology, two more years of extra study may suffice. But to become a doctor Mm -hmm. of sacred scripture requires at least six years of extra study. And this this gives you some idea, you know, of what a difficult study that of sacred scripture really is. Yeah, and the level of scholarship is very high in the Catholic Church. I mean, we have to remember that the Bible is God's revealed word, and we encounter Jesus Christ in the Bible. 
Remember on the road to Emmaus, the two travelers, they're filled with anxiety and confusion about all the events that led up to the crucifixion. And this third traveler joins them. It's Jesus, but they don't recognize him at first. But when he joins them for a meal, they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And he says to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. And then it says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So this is Christ who builds his church on the rock of Peter and the apostles and who is revealed to us through scripture and the incarnation. And we receive him and celebrate him through the liturgy and the sacraments, which are based in and on the sacred scriptures. Yeah, if if you think about it, if the Bible's the final word of God, there are, you know, 500,000 competing Protestant dominate, uh, denominations all saying something different. Christ didn't come to create confusion. You know, I, I read an article that said the founders of Protestantism, Luther, Luther Calvin, and Knox, they would not recognize the, their doctrines in the teaching of these official expounders of Protestantism today. And I think that's because it, it's not based on the tr one true church. And when we hear so many differing interpretations of the Bible, people lose confidence in the truth. And that is why we need the church, which is God and his people, in the boat together to guide us safely to eternal life. Frank, what do you think? Anything else? Well said. Well said. All right, Thank folks, you. don't forget to like us and send us an email. We're getting some nice notes lately. ANYCatholicConversation at gmail.com. That's ANYCatholicConversation at gmail.com. Frank, I love you a lot. I'll see you next time, okay? God bless. Thanks, Deacon.